Hey everybody, this is Jim here, and I've had a crazy week that is going to and has delayed the weekly comics podcast to what should have been Wednesday night to Friday night. It will end up being up there on Friday night. I ended up having some issues where I had to have like an impromptu road trip that took up pretty much a whole night and i haven't slept in two days but that's besides the point uh and i hate not having anything out there for people and i should have done this right away but i'm going to throw a show up here a show that we do on the patreon each month it is the best worst comic book show and a couple months ago i did marvel number one a, a book from 2002 that is truly awful it is Awful, awful. Bill Jemis uh, did it, and he ended up getting very confused about why it did not do as well as he thinks that it should have. And a book that just goes from awful to real awful, then starts to try to explain the creation of men. This this series is so, so bad, but I hope that you enjoyed it. And if you do and want to hear a lot more shows like this, this is kind of a little sneak peek at what we do over at the Patreon. There are a ton of shows. This just being one of the monthly shows uh, usually end up with, you know, about 50 to 70 extra podcasts a month, depending on how things go. And one of the things that I've been doing recently this month of, what is it, October, the scariest month of the year? I think we're going to have even more because I just threw it out there. If anybody in the Patreon wants to record a show, maybe about their first comic they ever read, their favorite comic, things like that, that they can come on and do it. And a couple have jumped on. So that is one thing that has been added on to the regular ton of shows. But also, I ended up doing a movie review, one of the first times I've ever tried to do that, where me and my my man. Michael G., we ended up going through the Guardians of the Galaxy, the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, which we both loved, and we waxed poetic about it for about two hours, and that's going to go up on the Patreon this coming week as well. But back to this, if you want to go over there, it's patreon.com slash weirdscience, but this is a little thing I'm throwing out there. You get to see what's going on, but also it kind of, you know, it stems the tide here until we have the main podcast that is a couple days late that will come out on friday and then again having the x-men podcast a couple days after that but i hope that people enjoy this uh thanks and check it out Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Worst Comic Book Show, episode number five, where I'm going to put aside the Batman Odyssey by Neil Adams for a little bit and talk about a Marvel book. And in particular, the book is Marvel, and Marvel number one is what I'll be going through. But what is Marvel? Marvel is a 2002 comic book series published by Marvel Comics. The series was written by then Marvel president Bill Jemis. And the stories involve a satirical comments on comic book industry conventions and trends, at least for the first two issues. It then goes on to a wacky explanation of 
the philosophy of life and what is God, what are we, and oh, it's it's nonsense. And so the book is considered one of the worst comics of all time due to its confusing and rapidly changing plots, as well as its blatantly promotional nature. It was created as part of Marvel's You Decide promotional campaign. This was a gimmick in which fans could pick between three books to see which one would continue. The three books were a revamped Peter David Captain Marvel starting at a number one, uh, restarting at number one. And two new books, Marvel, which we'll talk about, and Ron Zimmerman's Ultimate Adventures, which is awful in its own right. And I'll probably get to that eventually. Uh, It was based around a bet between Peter David and Bill Jemis that supposedly Peter David said, you think that I'm nonsense? Well, you can't write a book worth a shit, and I bet you that you can't. And then pretty much Peter David won. His book won, but also proved that, Bill Jemis is garbage, uh, you know, and also Marvel editor-in-chief Joe Casada later became a part of this as well. And you ended up having Bill Jemis try to change the stakes, try to change it maybe to get his hot garbage to continue, saying, well, how about the loser just gets hit in the face with a pie for charity? You know, because everybody wants to see that. And so he ends up... And with all this, it just shows that when you're the president of a company does not mean that you should or do what you want. You know, great power does lead to great responsibility or at least should. And it didn't come out in this. And if you were going to check the boxes for what makes an awful comic, this checks them all. This Marvel checks them all. And yes, Marvel, it is a take, a satirical take, a comedic take on smallville which was going on at the time including even having the first issue a spoof of that whole tom welling deal where he's you know up there like a scarecrow and he has the s on his chest well this is with an m on his chest things and throughout all this you don't get bill jemis he is not going to allude to things he's going to just plain out just say things he is going to really dig into dc and by the end of this, he even has, and I'm telling you, when you, when we get through these, you have the craziness of each issue. It changes completely the whole scope. Then you end up having two of the weirdest finale issues. Number issue six and seven are just wacko. Uh, but even in issue six, where he says, you know, hey, I wanted to do this because I could. I think it was good. You guys are all jerks because you didn't. And at least I'm not at DC because they end up writing comics about shit. Now, with that, he's poking fun at the whole idea of, you know, comics. But it, it kind of points towards Marvel as well, which is odd. But then even at the end, the big thing is his main character ends up writing a comic book, you know, a, a comic book in the comic book to kind of, hey, look at all these adventures I had, and that comic book does not get accepted because it's not good enough. So I I don't understand what he's doing here. Um, Well, I'm going to go into this first issue, and I'll give you the credits, and then we'll go through the major players in this. And you'll see that if if being awful also, you know, is part of being dated or being dated is what – this is so dated as well, and some people won't even get some of the references here, but it is written by Bill Jemis. Pencils by Mark Bright, inks by Paul Neary, colors by Transparency Digital, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. 
And you end up where Bill Jemis thinks that these he's got crazy inside jokes and he has to explain these. And the worst thing to do is explain a joke. But I will get into this explanation because it's a very big recap page to kind of get into this. But I think it will serve. Okay, for people who wouldn't know, but you end up having an insider's guide to Marvel number one here. And it says this is I'm going to read everything verbatim here, so I'm not going to you know, this is what it says. Here are a few things you need to know about comic books and about the real world to get the inside jokes in Marvel number one. Comic book characters, superhero media merchandising is a multi-billion dollar industry that grew out of a silly kids business called comic books. How silly? Well. Dot, dot, dot. Bruce Wayne's parents were killed by a robber who left them to die in an alley. So now as Batman, he seeks revenge by fighting crime. Hijinks to follow. Peter Parker's foster parent was killed by a robber whom Peter as Spider-Man failed to stop. Hijinks to follow. Cal L's parents placed him in a rocket ship before they were killed by an explosion on the planet Krypton. Now as Superman, he fights for truth and justice. The American way to follow. These are the jokes. Now, you have a list of the characters in this first issue. Main characters are Cal AOL, Ted Turner, Jane Fonda, and Mickey. So it says real world people. Marvel's distinguished competition, DC Comics, is run by a man named Paul Levitz, who fights a never ending battle to keep his business obscure. This is no small feat as DC owns Batman and Superman. And they, in turn, are owned by AOL Time Warner, which ranks amongst the world's largest and most prominent entertainment publishing and merchandising companies. AOL folks show up all over Marvel. Prior to selling out to AOL, Time Warner purchased Ted Turner's own mega media enterprise. Mr. Turner had founded or acquired TBS, TNT, and CNN along with a range of sports and entertainment businesses from the Atlanta Braves and Hawks to MGM. Rather than sitting around counting his money, Mr. Turner established the Goodwill Games in 1986 to, quote, ease tensions during the Cold War through friendly athletic competition between nations. In 1988, he took the Hawks for a groundbreaking tour of the Soviet Union. Then he married Jane Fonda. Rather than sitting around enjoying her dad's money, Miss Fonda chose to build her own acting career. She became one of the first prominent Americans to take a stand against the war in Vietnam and has devoted much of her life to public service. Then we have the last bit, Marville. In Marville, any similarities between the comic book characters and real world people is just for fun. There's no fun here. The the fun in this is just, what the hell are you doing? We start out in the year 5002 AD. Never really get the idea of why Ted Turner and Jane Fonda are in the future. What's going on with this and how the hell they're alive. But you end up with the first deal, a guy celebrating the opening, the grand opening of his comic book store, Sixth Millennium Comics. And you have a guy saying, congratulations, your new store is huge. Now, you see a meteor heading towards the store. Well, the guy says, as the meteor is about to hit the store, after 3,000 years, the comic industry finally recovered from Ron Perlman bankrupting Marvel. Yeah, and then the store gets destroyed. 
Now you also see hover cars around. You see the DeLorean, you, see, you know, that sort of thing. And the art isn't awful in this. I will tell you that. It, it's kind of generic, but it's not awful. But you see a bunch of cars going around, which kind of leads into some weird things later in my mind. And and what ends up happening is Bill Jemis is trying to give you a satirical future. doesn't explain how this could be. But then also when you go back to the past, which we will, you end up not he doesn't understand what time travel is he doesn't understand what you would know or not know and things like that and how things would work but you end up then going to jane fonda ted turner they see that the world is going to be destroyed oh my our planet is going to blow up in five minutes we're going to end up having to do something about this they end up having a jetsons reference with their old dog aol stro who, who's too old to do anything, they say. But they end up getting their gear on. The end of the world gear is, you know, an Atlanta Braves cap. They both put their caps on and go out. And as the meteors are hitting Earth, they start to do the tomahawk chop. The Atlanta Braves tomahawk chop. So it's the, oh, and they're chopping these meteors. Well, you end up with them saying to everyone, hey, it works. You do see Ted Turner chop a meteor in half. Hey, everybody, it works. We can do this to save the planet. A guy steps up and says, you really expect thousands of people to gather around in a sort of event and chant like Hollywood Indians? Are you nuts? And then he gets hit by a meteor. He gets hit by an asteroid. He's dead. <laughs> He's dead Everybody around then starts doing the chant and They're doing the chop Another guy steps up and says You gotta stop this Your chopping exaggerates and trivializes Ancient Native American rituals For the sake of a stupid baseball game To which Jane Fonda says This isn't a baseball game We're saving the world And then that guy gets hit with a meteorite And he does So there you go So basically what's going on is the world's going to end. What are Ted Turner and Jane Fonda to do? Well, they need to save their young son from the planet being destroyed. So they run into their house and Ted says, I have always had a plan for this. I have made a rocket ship. We're going to put our young son into this and we're going to send him to Earth where he'll be a superhero. Jane says that's ridiculous. And Ted says, well, they said that TBS, CNN, and TNT were ridiculous as well. And then Jane says, don't forget about the Goodwill games, which Ted's like, thanks a lot. That's what I'm saying. I wish I could have made a deal big enough. Now, this is where you're going to see, you know, the joke here, because the world, Earth, is now called AOL on. Uh, Ted wants to send his son. To Earth, they're on Earth But because it's not called Earth now He's confused And so he says to Jane, like, what? Like, she says, we're on Earth, Ted This is Earth And he's like, what? Like, no, this is AOL on She's like, no, no, no You're the one who renamed it It was Earth You renamed it to AOL on And he says, why would I do that? Why wouldn't I call it Turner? And then she says, you did You called it that first But when AOL bought it You ended up Calling it AOL on. Why would I do that for stock? 
And that's the joke. Well, you end up having this spaceship. Well, you know, what is this going to do now? Well, doesn't matter because a meteor comes in and destroys it. It ends up hitting it and blows it up. Now they're in real trouble. How are they going to save their young son? Well, Ted says, well, I have another plan because I also made a machine that sends through time. A time machine? Yeah, I guess we could call it that. And he, Jane says, well, does it work? How does it work? And Ted says, well, it has dilithium crystals, and I hear that they can do something with the space-time continuum. Jane opens up a panel and says, but you put this together with a PlayStation 1 and a couple of Atari controllers. But then you look, the art doesn't match that, which kind of irritates me. But Ted just shoves that aside, says there's no time to lose. we got to get our baby boy and put him in here. And you go, eh, no baby boy. He's 18 years old. His name is Cal AOL. Hey, Cal AOL, we're going to send you back to the past, to the past of 2002. It's going to be great. You're going to go back there. Now, later on in like some write-ups and some solicits and things like that, it is kind of spelled out that Ted was sending him back to figure out how he could save the future, which doesn't make sense later anyway, but also just as nonsense because they don't say it. But Cal AOL, he's a lazy layabout. He's Ted Turner and Jane Fonda's son. He doesn't have to work. He's just sitting around. He doesn't understand how this is going to go and what's going to happen to, you know, you guys. And that's where Ted says, well, our tragic death will give you a heightened sense of responsibility. And he's just like, huh? And then Jane's like, don't listen to him, you know, nonsense and whatever. And don't worry, you know, this won't vaporize you. This isn't a death trap. It's going to send you back in time, though she doesn't really believe it later. She asked if they did it. But you end up where you're going to continue the Superman joke here, where you have Cal AOL say, are you going to give me those green crystals with all the knowledge of the universe? And Ted says, no, I'm going to do better. I'm going to give you this AOL disc. With 100 free minutes of online time. And there's the jokes. But before he goes, they have to put him in an outfit. It is a time-traveling outfit that just has Marvel across the chest. And Cal AOL says, what is Marvel? And now you get this weird past. Again, how is it that Ted Turner, but Ted Turner says, well, you see, I ended up buying DC. But DC Comics, they sucked. They were the worst. They couldn't even make one decent book. So I ended up buying Marvel. But when I bought Marvel Comics, these two jerk-offs, Joe and Bill, they cashed in their options and made a fortune. Like these are the, like this inside joke, <laughs> Joe, because <laughs> it doesn't even make sense in what's being said. And then so, okay, so Bill and Joe, they cashed in and made a fortune. So what did happen to Marvel? Why don't I remember it? Well, you end up having Jane say, well, that's when your father put Uncle Paul, Paul Levitz, in charge, and he just ruined it. And then he's like, ah, but I've never heard of Marvel. What did Uncle Paul do? And then you just have Jane kissing Cal AOL goodbye. He gets in, never say anything, and they push the button where he gets zapped back to the year 2002. Now, as they do this... You have Jane and Ted realize that we're not in danger. The media, the earth isn't going to be destroyed. Now we feel bad. Can Cal AOL get back? And he says, no, because you don't have the time machine in the past. So, no, he can't get back here. 
And then Jane says, well, maybe we should send him something. And they do end up sending AOL Stro, their dog, you know, this big, you know, bloodhound that they end up sending. And so while that's going on, you do have Cal AOL go back to 2002. He just materializes. A bunch of guys see this Marvel outfit, which is nonsense, and say, man, cool, cool deal. You must work for Marvel. Do you know Joe Casada? And you end up having Cal AOL say, no, but I know Paul Levitz, or at least my dad does. And they all almost beat him up and walk away shaking their heads with him like, what? And then he goes, so now you end up just stupidity to the nth extreme where you end up Cal AOL thinks that he has superpowers because of the yellow sun, even though that was never explained. And he tries to jump and he can't jump. White man can't jump. He he doesn't jump. All of a sudden, AOL show, he shows up, zap, he's there, and they start walking through New York City, and Cal AOL is talking about how he really should have superpowers. He doesn't even have x-ray vision where he could end up looking at boobies, these ladies walking by. He he wants to look at boobies, but he can't. He doesn't have x-ray vision. Well, he's just walking through the streets. Again, This is where I said, in the future, we've seen these hover cars. We see that they have, you know, highways and things like that. Cal AOL acts like he's never seen any sort of vehicle ever, almost gets hit by a cab because he just walks out almost like a, you know, almost like uh, in, in a movie where you have these time travelers. But it's usually the time traveler from the past that comes in and doesn't understand the rules. He's from the future and he does not understand and he gives like a rat so like hey i'm walking here he doesn't really say that but he grabs he he ends up grabbing aol straw and running from the cab that's obviously slammed on its brakes but he thinks that he has lightning speed and also can stop time and this cabbie this girl mickey she gets out and says what the hell were you doing and he's like don't worry i have superpowers that's how i was able to save me and my dog i ran away super fast and froze time and she says no 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 I slammed on the brakes. And he's like, brakes? What are brakes? What's a car? You're from the future. We saw cars. Even hover cars, whatever. You still would probably have brakes. He doesn't understand this. And he says to Mickey, hey, can you take me to Penn Station? Yeah, Penn Station. They're going. And she's like, yeah, but maybe you should get out of your PJs. He's like, no, no, no. These aren't PJs. I'm from the future. She's like, I don't care as long as you have money. He says, well, I have my ATM card. Can we stop at a bank? They stop at the ATM. He puts it in and it says rejected. The machine has retained your card. Please see the bank manager. So he ends up, oh man, like this stinks. I should have been able to get all my money. I'm rich. I'm from the future. Oh, geez. So he goes into the bank. Mickey, for some reason, says she's going to bail, but she doesn't. And they tie AOL Stroh outside the bank uh, on the light pole. And so he's going to sit out there in the sweltering heat, you would guess. But he's out there. They go in. Cal AOL says, hey, I'm rich. I want my money. You kind of grab my card. And so I need, you know, my dough. And the bank manager, who out of nowhere is Alan Greenspan, which then explains to Cal AOL for no reason at all, because this is 2002, Alan Greenspan explains that I am famous for creating unprecedented economic prosperity in the 1990s. Why would you say this to somebody when that's just a couple years ago? It is ridiculous. 
And so you end up having Cal AOL. Hey, I want my money. Well, you are rich. You do end up having a hundred thousand dollars in the bank, but it's in a trust fund that you will not get for another 3,000 years. Now, to make matters worse, because that makes no sense, because he is going to be, this is, he gets these, like he's seen a bunch of time traveling movies and read books, but he's mixing them all together between what happens when you come from the past to the future and what happens from the future to the past. And he's getting them all mixed up. It makes no sense. This is almost like that weird take of, you know, in Futurama where you have Fry had a couple bucks and now later the interest has a and he's got a ton of money. But it's the opposite. It makes no sense. Well, to make matters worse, Alan Greenspan, he has the sack o money that just says Cal AOL on it and it's there on his desk. So he can show him, yeah, this is yours, but you have to wait. Oh, come on, give it to me now. Hey, I can't. I'm Alan Greenspan and I don't roll that way. And so while this is going on, you then get the joke where Cal AOL goes off to see Mickey who was standing in the background. She's like, did you get your money? Did he say he said you were worth a hundred million dollars? And he says, yeah, but all I got was the stupid toaster. Well, while that goes on, you have Alan Greenspan. He's all happy with himself. He's patting the money sack. And a robber comes by with a baseball bat, grabs it off the desk and runs off. He has stolen the $100 million. He runs right through Cal, AOL, and Mickey to go outside. And then you get the whole idea. Why did you let him go? And eh, not my problem. The whole Spider-Man deal. And like, oh, man, you're an idiot. The bank lost $100 million. And so Cal, AOL, AOL says, well, you want your toaster back? <laughs> Well, they go out and there's a commotion outside. Oh, my God, what happened? AOL stroll. Oh, no, because they're all around this pole. They go and it seems as if the bank robber has slipped on the drool of AOL stroll. He is knocked out. And because of that, there's a reward to be had, a reward that goes to Cal AOL, the reward that is a hundred million dollars. And they just hand him his money. I mean, it's just that sack. It makes no sense. But he has $100 million. So now they're going to walk around town. And Cal AOL is holding the sack of money where he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what he's going to do in this deal. They never go to Penn Station, by the way. And so he ends up, hey, uh, you want to be my sidekick? I'm a superhero, Mickey. You could be my sidekick. She's like, no, I don't think so. I'm going into my apartment uh yeah you're nonsense i'm leaving now he's got a hundred million dollars i mean i'll give mickey some credit that she's not you know going to be a gold digger here but he says why are you blowing me off and then she says well you don't have powers you don't come from the future even though she overheard the whole deal with alan greenspan pretty much verifying that he came from the future and would have future money and now is the money and then says you know, time travel is not possible. I'm nobody's sidekick. Uh, Callie says, I'm telling the truth. And she's like, no, you're a liar. He says, do I look like a liar? And she's like, no, you look like a dork. And then like, oh, man, I'm all alone. And then somehow she's like, okay, then you can stay with me in my apartment until you can afford uh, your own place. But he's got $100 million in cash right there. 
And then she says, because you get the idea, Bill Jemis is already sick of saying Cal AOL. So he, he, she says, do you have a nickname? And he says, my nickname is Oral. And then she's like, we'll go with Al. So she's going to call him out. I'm still going to call him Cal AOL because it's so ridiculous. But she says, you can crash at my apartment till we figure out where you can stay and also what tax bracket you're in. He doesn't understand that. She says, don't you have taxes in the future? And he says, no, we only pay a monthly subscription fee to AOL. That ends up 50% of divine gross income. Yes, so you end up where Mickey is now going to think of things. Okay, well, you need, do you have a birth certificate or a social security card? Again, remember, we're, we're dealing with somebody from the future coming back to the past. So she says, do you have any of these documents? Now, number one, they wouldn't mean shit. You're from the future. It wouldn't mean anything. So with that, though, you end up him like, no, I left that all in the future. And then she says, well, what do you have? Do you have anything from the future? And he says, I got this AOL disc from my dad. It gives me 100 free minutes of AOL time. And then Mickey says, you can get 400 free hours by buying a Whopper at Burger King. Yeah. So then we go and she puts the disc in the computer and you see that it's almost like now we're going to play with the whole idea of Back to the Future and the sports book. We have 3,000 years of info right here on this disc. And, and hey, look, you also have your social security card and your birth certificate. And then Kyle has to yell and also a free burger from Sonic. And so she prints out his birth certificate and his social security card, which means shit because they came from the future and they're not, they're they're nothing yet. It doesn't make sense. You know, all this. So this is where then you just go do that. All right. Yeah. High five. And then it just goes with later that day, Mickey and Al decide to see a Broadway play. On the way, they stop in a dark alley to buy tickets from a scalper. So we have a play, which actually ends up just seemingly being a movie theater anyway, and an alleyway. So you know what's coming. But you see the scalper. He's being held at knife point, being robbed by the guy who robbed the bank earlier and was foiled by the slobber of AOL Stro. So they're like, oh, my God, that scalper. He's being held up. Well, you also have the idea where Cal AOL says, you know, we don't call them scalpers in the future. What do you call them? Ticketmaster. Oh, my. Where's Eddie Vedder when you need him, right? Oh, goodness. So things never change. So you end up where the scalpers being held up by the guy who robbed the bank earlier. You have Mickey say, don't get involved, Cal AOL, because both of them are criminals. And he's like, no, 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 I need to get involved. And he shoves the scalper away that starts doing business then with Mickey while he disarms the robber with the knife by yelling, this is for truth, justice, and the American way. And he ends up karate chopping him and ends up. So at that same point, you end up with Mickey asking for tickets where the scalper says it's $500 for two. And Mickey says, but that's not, you know, that's not truth justice. And then the scalper says, but uh, it's the American way. 
<laughs> it, it really goes off like really badly done mad magazine parodies or cracked even. So they end up buying these tickets. <laughs> so they they end up going into what, again, seems more like a movie theater than any sort of playhouse here, theater. And go and they are going to bring AOL Stro in. The ticket taker will not allow that. They lie and say that AOL Stro is a seeing eye dog, which then leads to the ticket taker saying, I, he's not blind. Mickey saying, well, look at his outfit. He's still wearing those pajama looking Marvel thing. And like, okay, point taken. Yeah, but still, you better get the hell out of here. I'm going to call the cops. So they don't even get to see the performance. They end up going out, and as they go out, the bank robber slash scalper robber has now come back. Each time he comes back, he's got more and more bandages, and now he has a gun that he's going to shoot them. And also, just so you can get you know some deals, he has roses, too. He has the whole Terminator 2 guns and roses deal, and so he's going to shoot them. Well, you end up having Cal AOL try to disarm him. At the same time, AOL Stro breaks free, knocks the guy's roses out of his hand, which seems to upset the robber who then runs off to pretty much kill AOL Stro in an alley. You hear a big bang. They run in to see what happened. You think AOL Stro is going to be dead from a gunshot wound. A lot of people have gathered, and we see that no. In fact, the robber went in, and as he went into the alley, AOL Stro was turned the other way and farted in his face, which knocked him out and made him hit his head. And because of that, here's a big reward. He gets another $100 million sack of money, where Mickey says, how can this happen? How could you be so lame but yet so lucky? And he's like, well, I don't know. I guess my whole life has always been like a long, contrived DC comic book. Uh, that he just doesn't know about that. <laughs> he actually was asking about that sort of thing to Ted Turner in the future. So how does he know this? And then Mickey says, how does that make you feel? And he says, stupid. Yeah. And then you end up going back to the future where you end up having the whole deal is Jane saying, you know, Our world isn't being destroyed, but I hope you didn't end up vaporizing our son, Cal AOL, though she said earlier that that wouldn't happen. And so they end up where Jane says, you miscalculated the asteroid impact. Uh, And yeah, so they're like, you sent our son back and he can't come back to us. She says, can you bring him back? And he says, no, you can only send things there because he doesn't have a time machine there. So and up, man, well, what can we do? What what can we do to make things okay for our son? And they're going with it. And, you know, you end up with Cal I.O.L. still talking to Mickey. You know, we're going to do things the Marvel way. I'm sick of this DC Comics. He has no idea what that means, but he's going to do the things the Marvel way. And he says, you know, have a realistic lifestyle with a job and everything, and then fight crime out of my sense of responsibility, and you could be my sidekick. All of a sudden, there's a flash of light, and he says, oh, my, and, and again, this whole idea of the time travel, I know this is nitpicking, but really, you end up where 
Ted Turner and Jane Fonda are just sending things randomly back to, and they end up just where Cal AOL is. And so they need something. And you, you end up with Cal AOL. Oh my God, my parents were thinking of me. They sent me what I needed. Oh man, what is it? Like a phaser? A transporter? What? Nope. Clean underwear. And it's Bruce Wayne underwear. To be continued. It's so bad. It's so bad. But yeah, you end up where that that's just bad because it's bad. But at least you're setting up a new cat. It gets worse. It, the second issue is so offensive and really makes Marvel Comics into like the worst thing ever. And I don't understand, but this issue just start. It, it's just nonsense. It's just complete and utter nonsense. And I did read that a lot of people, a lot of writers, a lot of creative teams and things like that really had problems with Bill Jemis and how much of an idiot he was. And so when they, when he did this, a lot of them really threw shade at him. Like this proves like you were telling me what to do. You're an asshole. And he kind of went with this whole thing for the whole time of, Nobody is getting the the greatness of this and that eventually time would prove that he is a genius and that this is the greatest comic ever written. And it gets worse with time. It is so, so bad. But that is that. That's the episode of the best, worst, best, worst comic book show. And it is bad. And I will continue off with issue number two for next month because, yeah, it gets really, really bad really offensive things like that and it's not funny at all so we'll do that and i may even mix in you know maybe do some batman odyssey and this both next month if i have the time to do both do a marvel and a dc deal and maybe that's how we'll go from there but it's awful it's really awful if you can get a hold of it you can look it up it's one of those where it's so bad that it's not on the marvel unlimited app so don't even look they they will not let this out there anymore because of how horrible it was But that's that. Thanks, everybody, for listening and supporting us. Uh, Really, I do appreciate that. And I will talk to you later. All right. And that is Marvel number one from the Best Worst Comic Book Show that I do over on Patreon. I ended up doing issue number two as well. That's over on the Patreon. So if you like that and you want to check that out, you go over to patreon.com slash weird sides and done a bunch of things like this there's a bunch of shows and if you like this there's also a silver age comic show all these sorts of things involved and we kind of rotate some shows as well so everything stays fresh but i'm gonna go off now again this is a sneak peek patreon.com slash weird science but also kind of an apology for not having the regular episode up on wednesday it kills me to miss a regular episode like that So I thought I'd put this up here. You can listen to this for about a day. And then I will have the next episode, which I think is 226. And that has me and Brandon talking about Immortal Hulk, the Marvel Zombies Resurrection. Remember that third thing? Uh, Which we didn't mind uh, as well. And then me talking about Avengers and Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man, a big issue uh, indeed. So that will be up on friday then as i said earlier have the x show the ten of swords stuff a couple days after that get back on schedule get back on things one of the other things i do want to mention brandon was drunk but it was also because this whole thing was just such a fiasco we ended up on tuesday night which we usually start recording some stuff the bills game because the titans and covid that got shifted to tuesday there's no way brandon's recording when the, the bills are on even though they got slaughtered 
and then Wednesday. That was when I had to go on my road trip. And since then, I have not gone to bed. I've actually been up since, you know, Wednesday morning. So I need some rest. I feel very tired. I think I'm going to go off and have uh, some rest right now. And thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, you'll be hearing from me and Brandon tomorrow and then uh, in a couple of days, me with the X books as well. And I'm repeating myself. So I will see you and you can hear me then. 